the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Is it me? Oh, there we go. Was that what I needed to do? Good morning. <laughs> 680 WPTF. It's 8.07, and this is the Weekend Gardener. My name is Jimmy Lloyd, and the first thing I have to say is what a total honor it is for me to be sitting in this seat right now. Uh, I've known Mr. Rayleigh since I started working in the building in 1997, uh, and I've always had a garden in my own backyard, and for him to have asked me to sit here today... Um, is taken as a high compliment by me. I mean, the guy's a member of the Order of the Longleaf Pine, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> talk yep. about life goals. Um, and with me in the studio this morning is Phil Campbell. Of course, listeners to the show know Phil. I know Phil because normally during this time, I'm down the hall on one of the music stations working. And so we've met and become uh, friends in the hallway over the last year or two. Sharing donuts. She, yes, she always brings a donut, which is, you know, an easy way to get into my studio. Hold <laughs> up a, right. a box That's of donuts. Right. Um, and across the way here from me is another buddy of mine, Dan Danford. He is the, now he is the director of the flower show at the State Fair. All right. All right. Yeah. When we first, we first met six or eight years ago, you were like an assistant at the flower show, right? Oh, yeah. Um, heck, I was a, started down there in 2010 and um, worked with several different superintendents, and I was just kind of like one of the one of the workers down there. That's about right. I, we we met because you were helping me put my entries in the flower show. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so this past year now, you've worked your way up to being the director of the year at the state fair. There's different directors for different sections of the yep. fair, and the commissioner, Mr. Troxler, came down and actually made a big deal out of presenting. Dan with an award this past fall. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. It was de- that was one of the big challenges last year was coming off the pandemic or trying to put something together still with the pandemic around. Because there was no fair the year before, and I'm right. going to guess that nobody really touched anything for all that time. And so. It's amazing how well weeds grow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Dan's going to find out that he, um, you know, even though he's the head man over there, uh, <laughs> He's probably going to still be doing all the work. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he helped me That's with my flower happens. show entries this go. year. Exactly there right. There you go. Um, but he's, he's actually made some really good improvements to, to the way things flow and the way things go um, over the last few yeah. years. Well, I'll be honest. They did have a lot of good mentors over the years there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Irv Evans, I worked under Irv for several years, learned a lot. And I still see him out there every year with some of the most beautiful things I have ever seen anybody grow. He grows beautiful, beautiful plants. It's just unbelievable. And he enters, he used to, you know, be the superintendent. And last few years, he's been entering stuff. Right. And I'll tell you, you talk about a, a man that can just grow blue ribbon And exotic looking stuff that I would never even attempt, you know? Um, I'm definitely a a keep the weeds in check. Uh, I'm much more on vegetables probably than landscape. Well, and Dan and Phil know each other because they're both in the business. 
right right yep, yep. you guys yep. actually might have worked together a little bit especially like with the fair and with the mums and that kind of thing right yeah. right um a whole lot of uh those summer annuals that phil grows oh my gosh they're just unbelievable out there in the gardens oh yeah the gardens yeah. love her love her stuff man so we were really uh really happy to have uh the opportunity to help dan last year when he came around looking for plants and um we're um we know him through Shane as well because Shane has gardens out there. So Shane kind of hooked us all up, and and now Shane's working with us, and now Dan's working with us a little bit here, part time in between, you know, in between his gig at the fair there. So that's great. Getting my hands dirty. There. So the, yeah. the three of us all know each other, which makes me feel a little more yeah. comfortable. Thank yeah. y'all both for that's, being in here. Yeah. Um, and I'm as for me, I'm just a back yard gardener i grew up with country grandmas and you know i i can't live without fresh tomatoes out of the backyard and so i've always had my own garden yeah. which is why i know a little more probably about vegetables i guess than than some other stuff but uh you know like and i, I know pedestrian names for everything like i didn't know what a forsythia was until i was about 30 it's but called, i always knew what a yellow, yellow bell, bell was right <laughs> so, that's right so um that's so right. sometimes when i'm sitting here listening to the two of y'all talk about stuff and y'all are talking and i'm not really sure what you're talking about oh uh, yeah so, but yellow bells yellow bell is a good name for it um yeah. it describes it totally and Somebody, a lot of people on the street won't have any clue what you're talking about when you say for <laughs> Well, and so. I know some people don't have a clue because I heard y'all talking last week about how to trim a yellow belt, which you're yep. not supposed to do at in the I first don't. place. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Leave it alone, man. Yeah, just let it grow. Um, just plant plants where you'd like to have them. You were talking about tomatoes there. Uh, gracious, you know, some people have already talked about putting out tomatoes and. Uh, if you haven't checked the forecast, uh, Sunday nights or Monday mornings, thirty-one. Yeah. So, well, now look, but but I'm one of those who take. Know. I'm a take a chancer. <laughs> I'll put in a couple early and cross my fingers, right? And then hope I can say because if if I can save them through this thirty-one degrees then on Monday morning, be okay. I'll be ahead of the game. Right. Right. Y- y'all, you don't do that. Uh, I don't have a chance to. We're we're going to put some in our uh, demonstration beds. But we're not going to put them in quite yet. Yeah, you know, we're going to wait a little while because I'm I know what's going to happen. Um, I, I've said it on the show before. I had a whole crop of peppers one year. Went up and covered them up with the uh, fabric. Thought I had it uh, down with some cinder blocks and things. Went up there the next morning. A big corner of it had blown off, mm. and then of course the wind died down. And you know what happens then. A very heavy frost. It was about the 24th of uh, April. So you have to be really careful and vigilant. You get real excited. People start seeing uh, flowers come in. Or either you're just tired of messing with your pansies and snapdragons and things. And you see flowers coming in some of the local stores. And you go, oh, i got to have some of those mm-hmm. right now. And get some of the first ones that are in. Yep. And, you know... Um, that's okay. Um, you can plant them a couple of times if, if that happens because, you know, like I said, uh, Monday morning 31, and that's going to pretty much take care of a lot of things that are out now. I figure, though, even if I wait, like until, you know, after the average first frost, or right. I, I can still get hit the first week of May. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to be ahead on both counts, I guess, but, All you right. know, cut the bottom out of the milk jugs and put them over the top there you go man you never know that that last frost it's amazing yeah when it'll happen yep 
Yeah, it, it is. You know, we had that really hard freeze here, I don't know, three weeks or so ago. And I'm going to just call it a tulip tree because that's what I always call it. I know what a tulip My tree. My tulip tree, um, all the blooms that were, were out just got frozen and they turned just really dark mm-hmm. and they're falling off. But I noticed yesterday all kinds of new plant uh, new blooms are coming out on that tulip tree and it's absolutely beautiful again so i was pretty excited about that because i was sad when i saw that it got frozen back so bad Mm -hmm. but doggone it's it's looking good now again tulip tree i have one in my yard it's the first thing that blooms every year for sure um okay well we can sit here and talk to each other i suppose for a couple hours we can also invite other people to call in uh, 919-860-9783 which works out to 860 wptf um, so yeah, obviously Phil and Dan are much more on the expert side than I am yeah. and can, uh, and can answer questions. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> can answer questions, uh, whatever you guys have going. Um, so I know you guys have been working hard. Um, and what kind of things are y'all having to cover up at Campbell road this weekend? Well, we mostly this time of the year do not plant anything outside that we that we know won't be safe uh right now we have petunias that are planted outside petunias can pretty much make it through a lot of winters around here anymore and um i've actually (laughs) i was telling the story to some of the workers the other day i've actually planted petunia plugs one time when i left a few out on the bed the plugs out on the bed and went out next morning and they were frozen and so petunias are are very hardy and they'll they're one of the first things we start selling. So those are out, um, out in the to the elements, mm-hmm. open to the elements. Um, and then pretty much everything else is under well, cover does, right does now. Does spraying water on something like that work like it does on a, on a strawberry or, or well, a fruit tree? it can on some things. Uh, petunias, it would work. Maybe marigolds and some things like that that are more hardy. But... Um, Right now, we've got our broccoli, our lettuces, um, well, not just broccoli, but cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and all those things. Uh, we've got all those out, and we will leave those out. That's, um, they like some yeah, chili yeah, water, well, don't so they? They need to be planted now. So we've got those, cabbage. Uh, so if, you, if you're in the mood to get something like that, we've got those available and just all kinds of lettuces. Um, Spinach. And spinach. We have the the most beautiful crop of spinach we've ever had. Awesome. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that. So I know but, Dan and I are – Dan, is this the first year you've done uh, – this is the first year I've ever grown any garlic. And I've actually been growing garlic for several years. Have you? Okay. Um, I got into it because my mom up in northeast Ohio has been growing hardneck garlic for years. Right. And I've helped her – um, she always puts it in in the fall, and you know we're harvesting it in June, July, you know July at the latest. But um, I started planting the garlic here, and I started with hardneck varieties, and which are supposedly better for the colder climates. They do. They do better. Uh, the soft neck varieties of garlic definitely grow better in the warmer climates. And so that's what I have. I, I try to do a little research before I went after it, but I had two varieties of of the soft neck. We put it in 
the first week in November. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then December was really warm and it was yeah. great. And I mean, it just sprouted right up. It is a foot tall. And I got real worried about, you know, in January when it started dropping to 20 degrees. Well, that's the beauty of garlic, though, man. I mean, it doesn't mind that you get it in the ground before that frost, that first fall frost. And it loves the cold weather. It starts doing its thing. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, the garlic's growing and it's winter. So how am I going to know when it's ready? Am I going to have to sort of dig around with my finger in the no. ground like a potato or something to see no. if it's done? The best way is, um, now, what you'll see is your stalk starting to grow. And once those bottom three or the initial three leaves start to really die off, mm-hmm. that's a good indication that it's kind of close to time to harvest. All right. Yeah, because I was reading, I guess, if I did November 1st, late June or early July, I should be able to, to get them. Yep. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's a good indication of when to harvest. Because like you said, it's like you don't get to see anything, so you have to let the plant kind of talk to you. And once those leaves start to die, that's when you want to harvest. And then, of course, when you harvest it, you want to trim it back and let it dry out before you try to clean you know, there's going to be dirt stuck to it. Sure. So you want to let it dry out a little bit before you try to clear the clean that dirt off. Okay. So, mm. see, so you do the other. You you let the plants talk to you. I talk to the plants. People look at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better tell them to put their coats on this weekend. It's eight twenty on the weekend, Gardener, and Phil Campbell's in the studio. Dan Danford uh, from the State Fair Flower Show, and my name is Jimmy Loy. We'll take your calls if you have a question about what you might want to cover up Monday morning. Um, I know it's windy today, and we have a fire warning: twenty percent humidity. So. I guess let's not have any big fires in the backyard for today. Um, that wind, though, has been blowing the pollen all over me for the last couple of days. I told you all I had for breakfast this morning was Diet Mountain Dew and over-the-counter sinus medication. So if I seem a little goofy, it's probably because I'm eating too much of that stuff for sure. Um, Jason, can we take a break, sir? Uh, this is the WPTF Weekend Gardener, and it's 821. For 40 years, it was the Tar Heel Gardener. And since then, the Weekend Gardener has invited you into their backyard. A WPTF tradition since 1945. It's 827. Good morning. My name is Jimmy Lloyd sitting in for Mr. Rayleigh. I've known him. I guess I'm old enough to call him Mike, but I'm Southern and I've known him for so long that I still call him Mr. Rayleigh. Uh, Phil Campbell in the studio with me and Dan Danford, the director of the Flower Show at the State Fair. Let's go straight to Glenda from Raleigh and see if we can talk to her for a couple of minutes. Good morning, Glenda. You're on the weekend, Gardner. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about a quince bush that I have that was probably planted in the 30s or 40s, and it's blooming at the moment. It's got some orange-red blooms on mm-hmm. it. I want to know how how and when I can prune that, and also, can I take cuttings of that, because I would like to have that in another place in my backyard, and it's too big to move the entire bush. <clears throat> Well, I've got one that I've had, uh, Glenda, I've had it in my yard for about 56 years, 
and it's probably the same variety that you have because the blooms are much like the ones you're describing. And that bush has been blooming. I, I was going to say, tell it on the air today. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's been blooming for over a month. Wow. Um, I don't know about taking cuttings. That might be a little tricky, but I'd try get some uh, hormone, rooting hormone, try it. And uh, maybe take cuttings. I'm not for sure about quince, but maybe sometime around June or July. Okay. Uh, you can cut it back after it stops blooming, but um, I have never cut my quince back at all, and it's it's just doing well. I, I don't I don't even mess with it. I mean it it was planted in a spot that it probably shouldn't have been planted. But I've never, it's it's just kind of neat. <laughs> How big is a 56-year-old quince? A 56-year-old quince is not any tall. It's about four feet tall and about four feet wide. Wow. That's it. How big okay. is yours? Okay, so if, but I can go in and cut out some dead branches and maybe cut them down to the bottom? Yes, ma'am, that would be good. If you, if you have some dead branches in there, it would definitely be uh, healthy, make the plant more healthy to get it cut back and... And uh, let it come back out again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you put any fertilizer or anything on it? I've never fertilized. I don't. So. I have never okay. fertilized mine. Okay. Okay. Well, that's great then. But I think I will try to take some cuttings of it with the hormone and and just see if that will work. Because, like I said, it's just too big to move. And, right. Uh, for me. So um, I'll try that. Okay. okay. Let us. Great. Let us. Since it stops blooming. Right. I'll, I'll try to go in and do a little bit of pruning and then maybe take some cuttings of it, you said, in June or July. Glenda, yes, thank you. We have to hit the news real quick. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. 680 WPTF time, 836. This is the Weekend Gardener. My name is Jimmy Lloyd, uh, and rest assured, Mr. Rayleigh will be back from his trip next Saturday morning to do the show. Uh, in the studio with me this morning, though, a regular Phil Campbell from Campbell Road Nursery, and uh, my friend Dan Danford, who's the director of the State Fair Flower Show. Yeah. And garden area, which we'll get into, uh, I suppose, here in just a little while, too. But uh, we have had Steve from Garner on hold here for quite a Steve. while. So let's check in with him and see what's going on in his garden this morning. Good morning, Steve. You're on the Weekend Gardener. Hey, do you have time for a short story? All righty. A man bought a house, beautiful house, southern uh, with the port- surround porch. In his front yard was a... Beautiful oak tree with the Spanish moss and all this. And he used to go out. He loved going out on his front porch to look at his tree every morning with his cup of coffee. Well, one morning he got up and he heard this terrifying cracking and snapping noise. And he looked out at his tree and there was a gorilla that was in his tree making a nest. And it was cracking his tree all up. So he rushed back in the house. All right, it's a family show, Steve. I just wanted to put that in the middle of the (laughs) story, okay? There's a gorilla in the tree. (laughs) Gorilla escaped from the zoo. Oh, okay. Anyway, he uh, ran back in the house. This is is before the days of uh, the Internet and smartphones. Got out his yellow pages and looked under uh, pest control and found gorilla catcher. He said, ah, so he calls. The guy said, I'll be out there in a couple hours. Up this road comes this ramshackle 
pickup truck with a cage in the back. Guy gets out of his truck. He has a shotgun, a pole, a uh, cattle prod, and a chihuahua. <laughs> and he walks up to him and he says, look, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to open the cage. I'm going to climb up in that tree with this cattle prod. And I'm going to knock that gorilla out of the tree. When the dog, when the gorilla hits the ground, the dog's going to grab him by his gonads. And if people don't know what gonads are, look it up. Uh, yep. All right. Thanks uh, for calling, Steve. Wait a second. I'm not through yet. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to need you to. Uh... Okay. All right. All right. All right. Anyway, this is Stephen Garner. I uh, just want to let you know my garden club, the, the Daylily Club of Raleigh, is going to have a work day here on Tuesday. Um, my garden's name is All. Just one more. And if people want to learn about daylilies and learn from gardeners, they're welcome to come and and either participate or just ask questions or whatever. We're going to be here. Um, so if... Uh, hey, Steve, thanks for calling. We're glad that uh, glad you're feeling better and able to call this morning. And I'm glad the glad the garden people are going to come and help you get your get your lily gardens yeah, cleaned up. I appreciate up. the info on that. Phil, yep. uh, do you still have some of those multicolored red buds? Uh, we do. Well, we've got the um, we've got some of the weeping red buds, and yes, we've got some of the um, I think the golden falls and ruby falls and some of those. Yes. Yeah, we want mm-hmm. one of those. All right, all right. Just check with us, okay? Okay, thank you. Thanks for Thanks, calling. Thanks, Steve. All right, 680 WPTF 839 on the weekend, Gardner. And so, actually, um, I have a question based on his story, Spanish moss. Okay, we always had a place at the beach, and you could get Spanish moss to grow in the trees at the beach. But we always tried to bring it home to Raleigh, and I could never get it to grow in the trees in Raleigh. Know anything about Spanish moss, Phil or Dan? I uh, no. <laughs> I have no idea. One of my guys brought some back when they went down to make a delivery to Wilmington, and he brought some back. And it is still, if the birds haven't all taken it away for nest, it is still hanging in the uh, Styrex tree right behind my office. So Maybe that's what happens you, to it, it. I did see it behind. There yeah, is still so I'm glad you said that because I'll check on it to make sure it's still there. But it's I don't know. I've always thought that it. It was really beautiful down there. But I guess I, I always thought it was maybe just because it's more moist near the coast I don't or something. Know. Maybe a listener can call in and let us know that. Hey, all right. Answer if, to that question. If you have Spanish moss knowledge, we're at 919-860-9783. Um, so, Dan, yeah, we were talking about you are the director of the, the flower show, and that's definitely the part in the building, and then there's a couple of smaller attached greenhouses that are part of that. But, but really... Your job encompasses being responsible for the entire garden area down in that whole bottom where the competition gardens are and, and all of that area, too. Yeah. Um, well, as far as the flower show goes, um, I'm in charge of making sure that anybody that wants to uh, bring an entry is able to bring an entry. And what's so neat about it is there's so many people that have wonderful plants in their gardens and when they come by the flower show, 
they see these entries and they go, oh my gosh, I have that in my yard. You just told my ha- story. That's the reason I put stuff in the flower show. I'm like, I have some of this. And it's it's not, it's such a fun thing to do to be able to like take a cutting from your garden and bring it in. And then your buddies that go to the fair and are walking through and they go, oh my gosh, that's my neighbor's right. cutting from her tithonia or whatever. So um, it's really neat, the, the flower part, the cut flower part, because it encompasses three competitions during the fair. So to keep it fresh every four days, yeah, right? Yep. Because we want to make sure that anybody that's coming to the fair, they get to see a nice product, some good, you know, quality cuttings. And of course, cut flowers don't last you know, but a few days and they start to, you know, show signs, especially like some of the uh, dahlias. Mm-hmm. You can cut a dahlia, some of them really nice, really sharp looking dahlias, and next thing you know, it's dropping petals. But I did notice this past year that even when you flipped the flower show like into round two, you didn't necessarily get rid of everything from the first flower show because there was some stuff that still looked really good. Yeah. And so you had some of that stuff displayed also and some of the ribbon winners. I, I thought that was a pretty smart idea. One of the one of the cool things we were able to do in 2019, which was one of the first times it's ever been done, because of the nature of the flower show and cut flowers and the the amounts. I mean, we get in thousands of entries. Sure. Um, so what what's happened is during entry days, the flower house would be completely closed off. Right. And the people that are coming to the fair, if they happen to come on an entry day and want to look at cut flowers, they don't get to see any cut flowers right. because it used to be closed off. What we managed to do or figured out, I figured a way to keep the flower house open and also have entries. So, and, and it's a logistic nightmare, but yeah. it works. <laughs> um, what I'll do is I'll pick all the, the best stuff from show one and I'll move it to one side of the building and close off half the building. Mm-hmm. But still, people can still walk in the building and right. see stuff from the first show, the good quality stuff still there. And then also they actually see the action and commotion of people trying (laughs) to bring in their cut flowers for the second show. So logistically, it's kind of a nightmare for us, but we were able to pull it off. And, you know, I mean, hey, if I came to the flower or the state fair and just paid whatever the admission is now, $12 or whatever, and I wanted to go see some cut flowers, I would not be happy. So that's why we were we we'd figured out a way to do it, and it's just we. I mean, so many people were just so thankful. They're like, "Oh my gosh, thank you!" Because I've come before, and the flower house is closed, and they say, "Oh well, it's competition," and so now at least we were able well, to but, do that. And the way you mention it, I bet it um, works as a recruiting tool also for people like me. Because like you say, if you, you can still go through, but then you see all these entries coming in the back door and how they're all being handled and how many of them there are, and it, you know. Give you the idea. It gave me the idea. One of the most exciting things I like what, for me is seeing. Um, I love seeing, of course, our regulars, the people that have been competing for years. Mm-hmm. What's really neat to see is somebody that's never competed before mm-hmm. coming up with their cut flower, having no idea what to do with it, <laughs> and we make sure that you know we make sure that we make it as easy as possible. And we provide for them the glassware for their cut flowers. We provide, you know, whatever they might need so that they can present that flower. So 
Um, and I learn a lot every year by putting stuff in too, because then I can, you know, I'm comparing what I grow to I what other people are growing. I remember teaching you about rosemary one year. Yeah, we, you know about, hey, now look at those rosemaries. Yeah, about how to get a blue ribbon out of a rosemary, yep. which I actually <laughs> did in 2019, by the way. You know, um, talking about the, the gardens and that sort of thing, um, the entries, my brother and I both uh, started out some of our earliest, I guess, gardening uh, trials by going doing dish gardens and taking those to the um, to the fair. I remember one year I took a like a, a disc off of an old plow, like my granddad's old plow, okay. and made a dish garden in that. And uh, had I always just went around in the in the edge of the woods and that sort of thing, and and fixed it with moss. And I mean, I was only like seven or eight years old, but it was and and I won blue ribbons with that. So it was always fun. And so I had my my kids did some of the same stuff. You know, it's 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 a way of teaching children that, um, you know, about the importance of growing anything, yeah. uh, growing flowers, growing veggies, um, and and letting them know where they come from. Well, so, and in my case, it convinced my kid that it wasn't just me. All right. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, right. look at all these other people who are doing right. this too, kid. Right. It's not just me. All right, it's uh, eight forty-seven here. Let's get Victor in Durham is on hold. So, Victor, let's you're on the weekend gardener. Let's see what's happening in your garden this morning. Good morning. Good, good morning. Good morning. I enjoyed your show for decades. Um, I uh, I'm going to get off topic just to go here. Uh, about a year ago, uh, a caller called in about treating wild onions in the yard and said that if you mow the onions on March the 29th, they won't come back. <laughs> there was hmm. quite a discussion about that on the radio. I think everybody heard it for the first time. But uh, is anything to that? Wow. I don't know, but it's worth a try. <laughs> about the only, I mean, one of the only ways I know to get onions out, and I know there can be tons of them, is to, to go around and dig them out, just spade them out with a, a little um, trial type thing. Um, it's worth a try. Well, okay. I didn't know if anybody remembered the conversation. Somebody, uh, somebody might want to call in on that um, if if they know that that to be true or or have tried that. Uh, maybe a, another caller will call in. That'd be great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, thanks, Victor, very much. And I guess that's if you. Um, want grass <laughs> it's like in my house I, I, all i care about is is it green right yeah I, we I, had that discussion a little bit last week too. Really? Okay. and and what was so funny um um gosh uh i'm trying to think of her name doggone pam um i had so many names in my head this week uh pam was on with us last week and you know she was talking about her wanting her kids her grandchildren to see dandelions and i swear i bet you i've seen 150 dandelions blooming this week <laughs> and uh every time i saw them i thought of pam so it's kind of neat and you know i um they're, they're tall and gangly and they're they're kind of messy looking or whatever but um in the last few years i've paid more attention to the pollinators right and the bees right and so a lot of those little early flowers the little purple ones that are kind of mm -hmm. short too and um you know I, I actually try to leave those a little longer than i probably should just so to keep the bees around my right yard. right 
Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and apologize, I guess, to my neighbors for <laughs> why my yard looks a little gangly. It's I'm trying to protect the bees. Right. And definitely need the pollinators for sure. Yeah. Um, Keep it natural. Yeah. Can we, we're going to take a break here, Jason. Um, it's 8.50 on the Weekend Gardener. You're listening to the longest-running gardening show on the radio. It's the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. And I'm Jimmy Lloyd in for Mr. Rayleigh this morning. He will be back from his trip to Israel for next Saturday. Uh, in the studio with me, Phil Campbell from Campbell Road Nursery and Dan Danford, director of the State Fair Flower Show. Um, so I, maybe I'll go into a, a little bit of a trite topic here. It's, you know, there's been a lot of discussion really in the last, especially 20 years or so about this. Um, but I'm glad to see somebody's finally doing something about it. What I believe is, to, is one of the um, worst Scourges in plant world. Bradford pear. The Bradford pear. How did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> because that there's been is. a lot of there's been a lot of discussion about it, right. um, and a lot of people don't know. Yeah, they look great, and yeah, they stink or whatever. But it's to me, it's really the offspring that cross pollinates with other trees that right. that fills up the ditches and turns out to really really be a problem. So, do y'all know about the bounty program? Yes. Yep. Okay. It's actually. Full though right now. I saw they paused it, but it's only because they just need more money or someone to. But the the deal is, um, and I want to say it starts in Greensboro initially, but yeah, that was the first. They will give you five trees for native. The, for each native Bradford trees. Native, trees. native, yes, I'm sorry, five yeah. native trees for each Bradford pear that you cut down. Yeah, that's the magic word, right, Dan? Yeah. Phew. And I hear that if you just cut it down and take a picture on your phone and show it to them, that's all the proof they need. They don't want you dragging the tree down to, to trade it in or anything. Because <laughs> apparently a couple of people did that, so they, they put out a little press release on that, too. Um, but, yeah, so I, I see that it was paused, um, and I don't I don't actually have any in my yard, thank goodness. Um, but if anybody wanted to, to try to get into that program, the website is treebounty.nc. Dot com is what I'm looking at here. Tree Bounty. Uh, and so, yeah, you can treebountync.com. And it's just to keep up with that, because I think they're trying to expand it. Like you said, I think the first distribution point was in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. And then they ran out or filled up. And I think they're trying to expand it to other areas of the state. So maybe they'll have a distribution point um, here in Raleigh or something. But again, I'm I'm glad to see that. I mean, you know. Aside from people who like you, Phil, who who know about those things and try to discourage people from doing it, um, you know, so, something like this, I think, you know, garners awareness for people too. They're like, hmm, I didn't really know. There's actually three states. I think it's three states that don't even allow the sale of the Bradford pears anymore. Oh, let's go for that. Um, I want to say Ohio, Pennsylvania, and. Maybe South Carolina. There's, I, you know, I think I think South Carolina rings a bell. They, they may have had some legislation against Bradford pear trees. There's so many good choices. There's so many good native choices out there besides a Bradford pear. Um, yeah. So what about an Eastern redwood or the red buds? Yeah. How about a dogwood? Sure. Right. Right. Great choices. Native, and they don't 
cross-pollinate with something else. And what happens with those Bradford pears is they were pollinating with other pears. And then their offspring was this crazy-ass tree. The thorns. Thorns that will puncture tires. Yeah, yeah, like three, four inches long in some cases. And they don't grow, the offspring doesn't grow like a tree, right? It's more like a a weed. You see a lot in the ditches and stuff. And it it takes over... um, farmlands quite mm-hmm. a bit too um all right well i just wanted to, i just wanted to make sure people <laughs> knew about treebountync.com right. and uh get rid of those bradford pear trees and yep. you were also the redbud trees i was at campbell road the other day and saw some of those weeping ones you were talking about i never seen one of those before well and and i've got a little bit of a little story to tell on that i put a new weeping redbud in i put the uh the weeping i put another um put two other red buds in last year i put three in all at one time i watered i put water in the hole i showed the guys put water dig the hole put the water in the hole with the tree in it and then start filling in soil and making sure that you don't have any air pockets make sure you get plenty of water in there and and then i put mulch on them and i never watered them again Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I put them in last spring, late, wow. early summer. Okay. So, and we're, then we no air take a pockets break. is the truth. Right. They're all still living. So, nice work. I know. I was so happy. This is the Weekend Gardener, 680 WPTF.